I'm in another school where now they introduce me as the student from Kenya. Not the student that lived in America, oh. went to Kenya and came back. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. said, this is the Kenyan student, right? Immediately, as soon as I came back, I see, I go to my gym class. Yeah. The teacher says, you're Kenyan. Oh my God, do some laps, please, please do some laps. I'm timing you. What up, guys? Welcome to another episode of uh, this fine podcast, the podcast that is focused on your self-development and growth. My name is Kevin Miner, and I'm so honored to be here with you today to bring you yet another episode that I hope and pray for sure will um, change your life or enhance it. Either way, it does me good. So today is another guest segment, and I am so happy uh, to bring it to you. And um, uh, my guest today, his name is uh, Ronnie Karaoke. He is a, he's an actor, professional. See how when you're not actors and they're not doing anything. Actor, professional actor. <laughs> <laughs> he's a student and um, uh, he's a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, what you're about to talk about, I, I saw it fit to bring him in because he is uh, probably, you know, my best choice out of everyone that I know. So here we are. Ronnie, what's up? What's up, Kev? First of doing? all, I just want to say... Um, don't lie to these people. All right. Until you're happy to have me here. Don't lie. You're scraping the bottom of the barrel. You're out of people. So you said, oh, you know what? Let me get Ronnie. He'll it's, do anything. Bro, it's But protocol. anyway, I'm happy yeah. to be here too. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, bro. We have been planning this since uh, pre-Rona. That's true. Yeah. So BC, before Corona. Exactly. BC, right. So I'm glad we're here. We're doing it, even though remotely. So anyone, disclaimer, we are doing this via a video call. So come on, audio echo as perfect or as crisp, kindly forgive us. But anyway, Ronnie, um, there's a lot that is going on in the world right now. Especially, yes, you know, we have the pandemic and uh, recently the racial, you know, the racial injustice and discrimination that is going on. And um, why I say that I saw you fit is because you have had, you know, US for some time was your home. How many years was that? Like nineteen. Nineteen. Whoa. So yeah, yeah so you've stayed there for a while. Years. Yeah. So I mean, me me have been here, I've never even left, I've never been going to US. So you can imagine how how almost naiveish I am. Sometimes they say, you know, ignorance is just bliss because you don't know what's happening. And I think that's why it's yeah. good to even just talk about these things and just see how it goes. Sure, sure. So, so yeah, I don't even remember. Do you remember I, I think the first time I we met was um or when I saw you first was in um was in a dialogue that was hosted by Abel. He was one of the spokes guy. Why were you there? Why you there? Because I remember you asked a yeah, question. Wait, yeah, wait, wait. You're talking about uh, 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 that Karakana. Yeah, he was at KNT. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. We didn't meet though. Did we talk? No, we didn't meet. But I remember I saw you there, and because you asked something about wow. your accent. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then from that on, then then we met again. Now when we started working together, and then boom. So yeah, I was this man thinking... exposing me on the podcast, guy. <laughs> okay, so you don't want to tell me personally that you knew me before we met. No, you like, just want to let the people know. Trust, you want to keep the information. Trust you, me. It just popped up like right now. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's wild. Exactly. Man. So, Nairobi's too small. I know. So yeah, um, um you know, so. Maybe just to start off, how 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 do you how was your transition from um, from you know coming you know nineteen years in the U.S. and then coming to Kenya in terms of even you know education and your career because you're a, you're an actor. So how has that been like the transition right. generally? Yeah. Well, well I want to make I want to like clarify something. Um, when I say nineteen years, all right, uh, doesn't mean I'm I'm nineteen. Oh. <laughs> uh, I actually lived in Kenya uh, for a year right. when I was in year seven. Okay. Um, I came here, I was about 11 years old. Right. I stayed here for about a year and a half. Okay. And then I got sent back to America, you oh, know? Wow. Mm-hmm. So, so with, I think I was very lucky to have had that experience. Right. And if that hadn't happened, I definitely wouldn't be in, in Kenya right now. That's yeah. number one. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, if it hadn't been for that experience, I don't think my transition would have been as, as easy yeah. Um, now, of course, not everything goes smoothly, but for me, at least, I had some some type of uh, you know connection with Kenya, and I understood 
the way things work yeah. and I kind of understood like how to get around, where to go, yeah. the the quality of things, how much I should be paying for certain things. Yeah. Of course, when people yeah. hear the accents, mm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> things become double the price. Yeah. So, so I, I would say that like my transition here was very much smoothened mm. by having that experience when I was a kid. Um, and you know, it's what kind of, made me want to come back here it's what like really compelled me because a piece of me was left here when i was a little kid i'm i didn't know that for a fact yeah and now that i'm back i've become whole so no matter like how much stuff i i had gone through when i first came with you know square one all right i want to act where do i go right um you know no matter what always striving going to every event that's why you saw me because i just saw it no matter what i was just there trying to get my name out trying to be heard, trying to be found. And, uh, you know, that it, it really helped me to, like, you know, just understand my way around Nairobi, at least for, you know, a little bit. Yeah, and speaking of acting, you know, this just came into my head. Was it always, like, a, you know, an, an in thing, like, since way back? Or is it just something that... Is it, like... Because I've, I've interacted with you and I know how it's, like, innate for you. So, And I just want you to say it, clarify. Is it, like, something, you know, that is deep engraved in you? Or, you know, how did that come about? Well, you know what? You know what's crazy? Um, my family hates me. Okay. <laughs> because since I was a kid, it was very clear that I was going for a path in the arts. From the age of, like... I remember I wanted to do two things before I wanted to be an actor, right? All right. I wanted to be a race car driver. All right. <laughs> when I was a kid, like very, very young. All right. And, which is, you know, a bit of poetic justice, mm-hmm. given the topic we're speaking on. I wanted to be a police officer. All right. Uh, for, for like, maybe like a year mm-hmm. before yeah, I did my first play, which was in fifth grade. Yeah. Um, and I did my first play, and from that point forward, I was like, yeah. Actor, that's me, that's me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, from a kid, I always knew I wanted to be an actor. And I think it's because I grew up as an only child. Mm-hmm. So my best friend was definitely my TV. All right. And I did nothing but watch TV and read books. And I think it was just wanting to spread that same type of joy to people like me. Mm-hmm. And wanting to be involved in something that meant so much to me. So, yeah, from a kid, I always knew I wanted to be an actor. And they tried many forms and ways to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to make me see the light. Yeah. But no, man, I'm... I'm Continuing on the journey, and I couldn't be happier, honestly. So a video went viral, you know, May 25th, when all this happened, you know. And, um, uh, you know, as we know, George Floyd, he was um, unfortunately uh, murdered by police officers for like nine minutes, people watching. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I-, I was just imagining, you know, from you who, let's just say, US was a home, definitely. And you have been there and everything. Yeah. I'm interested yeah. to know, and even after the protests just broke out and now the world is, you know, all over, protesting, how, how did yeah. that make you feel, especially seeing such videos, you know, of what was going on and after the protest? How did that make you feel on a personal level? Um, well, I mean, there's, there's no real answer because right. you see something like that and you're just filled with so 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 many emotions um anger disgust sadness you know like betrayal honestly um you know in some you know messed up way of like thinking hey i'm not there anymore yeah you know like that that idea of like you know this is a problem that's a a mile away the same way when i was in america i would see issues in another country and i would say Hey, at least you know I'm here. I'm safe. Yeah. Um, but it's so sad to see what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, and and guilt at the same time. Exactly. For for you know even feeling that bit of relief because yeah. I know those are still my people and that's still my struggle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so honestly, it's just like a roller coaster of emotions watching that video because it's so long mm. and it's so just painful to just sit there and keep your eyes open and not turn off. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't even watch the full video until about a week after it happened. I saw clips and I know myself I wasn't strong enough to watch it until a week later when I was just, you know, up one night, couldn't sleep for days after seeing the original clips. And I yeah. decided, let me just watch the full thing because I'm not going to go to sleep anyway. And um, yeah, it's so hard to describe. 
what yeah, a, yeah. what a person feels seeing that stuff. Man. I, I mean, I remember, I remember seeing you too, and I remember my heart was pounding. I mean, I was like, mm. why do I feel, you know, it's 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 crazy, and um, you know, you said the thing about you, the, the the relief that you're not even there, you know, and. Mm. Um, you know, I'm cute. Do you think, like, even maybe that's what makes, for example, if we are, that what makes us passive? Do you think as Kenyans we are like passive on how we are trying to, you know, address these issues? Do you think we're a bit passive because we think, oh, you know, it's not our problem anymore? Well, you know, I, I would, I would argue that uh, I feel like everyone around the world has felt the same level of disgust when yeah. seeing that video. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as Kenyans, we don't have a direct responsibility mm-hmm. for, for, you know, justice when it comes to, um, you know, police violence in America because mm-hmm. we have those same issues here. Yeah. And it's the same way that Americans aren't responsible for violence that happens in Kenya. Yeah. I don't think you need to, to hold yourself accountable and say that you're being passive of, against a social issue happening in another country. Mm-hmm. The most you warm yourself and, you know, keep yourself aware of what's happening. And if you can and do have a way of, you know, trying to chip in and, and participate to make change, people definitely do so. But, you know, you, you, you can't put yourself in a position where you feel as though you're not doing enough just because of where you are and your circle. It's the people in America, the government, um, you know, the local politicians, yeah. the federal politicians. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's their to make change it's not just yeah. guys All right. you know what I'm saying yeah yeah I feel you I feel you so for me for me I've watched like I said I've never been there I've, I don't, I, so sometimes it might some of the questions might appear a bit naive so I've watched a lot of movies I've read a lot of books had a lot of testimonies about how it's a real struggle to be you know to be black and be in the US you know and yeah. um, sometimes you even like oh my goodness is it that bad but I'm curious, since you have been there for a while, um, did you, you know, how was your experience living there? Like, did you, did you, like, experience some form of racial discrimination that you can remember? Well, or even witness or feel? I've experienced direct racism before. All right, right. I've 100% experienced direct racism. The closest thing I can even tell you is I dated a girl Mm -hmm. and I... I was in her house. All right. uh, that's how we do things in America. I know it's uh, you know taboo here. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I was I was sixteen. I was dating this girl, and I was in her house. And I remember one day, her mom, uh, her mom came and told me like, Ronnie, uh, I'm not asking you to leave. Uh, you know, we love you. You know that me and my girlfriend. I almost said her name. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, me and uh, you know. Uh, Whoever's dad love you, you know we love to have you around. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like the, the, she was saying that the, the mom, and the, the mom is racist, basically. Because right. she was saying that now my girlfriend's grandmother is a racist. Yeah. And not ask, she's not telling me to leave or asking me to leave, but she's saying if I'm uncomfortable, then I can go. But if I want to stay, for didn't mention that me and you know the girl were dating. Yeah. So, you know, she, she wanted me to kind of, you know, keep that tucked away as a secret, just act as though we're progressive best friends, but, you know, you would never date someone my skin color. Um, All right. And, and that's, that's one of the closest examples, but it, it's, a, it's a systemic thing that you grow up with from pop culture, everything. I know, of course, you've seen American media. Yeah. The main actors are always white, you know? Yeah. Everything is white. The snow white, you mm-hmm. know? Everyone, everything that's pure is white, everything that's evil is black, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. always been um, how things have been throughout the test of time, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, people, people have different experiences that my mom of course immigrating from Kenya when I before I was born she put me in a position throughout my life where she tried to make I didn't see that those things growing up mm-hmm. um, she tried to make sure that whenever I was in school or at home anywhere I didn't see myself as a black boy I saw myself as a human being All right. um, and she did a great job uh, but at the same time uh, you could argue it might have been a bit of 
a disservice uh, because I think it, it blinded me to a lot of the evil that might have been happening around me. For example, uh, she, used to, she used to be, my mom was one of the original vloggers, yeah. I promise you. She, <laughs> she had a vlog. Yeah. And I remember I saw one of her vlog clips on her old computer that she let me borrow one day. And she was telling a really heartfelt story about a day I made her cry. All right. And what had happened was I came home from school one day and I told her that I had a joke for her. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and this was the joke. I was like, mommy, mom, why, why are white people white and black people black? And uh, she, she said, I, I don't know, Ronnie, why are white people white and black people black? And I told her it's because white people can afford soap when they shower. Oh. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, I remember telling her this joke. Imagine, like, all that, those years ago, I was like maybe seven years old. Yeah. I remember telling her this joke. And I remember thinking it was funny just because I didn't see myself as less than because I'm black. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was funny because it's like, ha ha, if I use soap, I'll turn white. But yeah. I know it's a joke, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's the type of joking and that's the type of rhetoric that stays ingrained in people's minds. Mm-hmm. And especially as a kid being exposed to that kind of playing around, that kind of joking, it may devalue themselves yeah. in America. Um, and and the final thing I want to say about you know growing up in, in America is, uh, like I said, my mom wanted me to remain as neutral as possible. Yeah. You know, you hang out with a white kid, you hang out with a black kid, you hang out with whoever. And I remember we, we weren't like, you know, a very rich um, family. We, Dave Chappelle said it the best. He said that he made, his family made enough money to grow up poor around white people. And that's exactly what what I experienced, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, you know, growing up, going to very mixed race schools. And then I went to a Catholic school for a year that was all white. I didn't notice that until I got after the Catholic school, I went to more mixed-race schools, right? Then, year six, I remember. So I went to this place called Woodstock, Georgia. All right. And Woodstock is redneck capital, All right? right? I was one of two black people in my entire school. And this school was an elementary school, middle school, and a high school all in one. Okay? What? <laughs> all of them together, yeah, yes. Yeah. Black kid, I remember his name was Jordan. Okay, and me and Jordan weren't even that cool. Yeah. We were just like, yo, you see him in the hallway and be like, oh, what's up, bro? Because yeah. I know me and him, we're the only ones, right? Now, that, that again, it didn't register in my mind that I was the only black kid. I think I kind of knew it, but I didn't see it like that. Yeah. I was always just like, oh, like, you know, I'm just a kid. The next year, I moved to Kenya. Yeah. <laughs> Where there are no white kids in my school. Yeah. And that was the first time I realized, like, oh, by the way, I didn't know this was a possibility. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, all these people that are like me, but in a way, I still stick out because I have the accent and I don't understand, like, you know, when they speak Swahili a lot of the time, right? That's ironic, yeah. Right. And then I come back to America after that, and I'm in another school where now they introduce me as the student from Kenya. Not the student that lived in America, oh. went to Kenya and came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said, this is the Kenyan student, right? And and immediately, as soon as I came back, I see I go to my gym class. Yeah. The teacher says, you're, you're Kenyan. Oh my God, do some laps, please, please do some laps. I'm timing you. Do some laps. Guy. Wow. I don't think I've ever disappointed someone that much. I, I ran like a 13 minute mile, and that guy never talked to me ever because again. You're Kenyan. Uh, no, he, he never talked to me ever again. He was just like, oh, he's a fake Kenyan. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and, and that, that was the year I discovered my blackness. That's when, when I discovered what it was to be black in America. Mm-hmm. That was the year I discovered that I am different purely because of my skin color in this country mm-hmm. um and you know that was really my experience growing up in america as a as a black young man that's interesting because uh, you know like you yeah. said you know even from the jokes that you used to make then it uh, there's a sense that all this is like um, deeply rooted like it's yeah. like it's so big of a deal because it's deep it's deeply in, ingrained within even even the people who are racist even the people who you know 
bring up their kids it's because it's deeply rooted uh, right uh, and I'm, right. I, I, I i don't know do you feel do you feel like that's 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 how it is you know from even the way you, p- children grew up you know knowing that this is how you know as whites we live or this is how as blacks we live did you did you have that those that, that sense of like this this is a deep thing like it's rooted well yeah as I, as i got older and i began to educate myself and just like develop critical thinking skills yeah. um it, it became very clear to me that this was an issue that has been an issue ever since america's conception yeah you know um uh back back in the early 1900s man like you would be surprised yeah the amount of just evil that existed within the white community in america against black people yeah in terms of products yeah. being named after black people yeah. tar baby soap menstrual shows where they would have you know white people dress up in black face with like really dark complexion and yeah. really big red lipstick yeah. um you know trying to make fun of 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 our our features and you know you you look at how that progresses through time and maybe certain things go away but other things stay mm-hmm. like the stereotypes stay um the fear stays whenever a black person walking down the street you lock your car or maybe you walk across on the other side of the street mm-hmm. um you know uh it's passed down from generation to generation if yeah. you really think about it uh a lot of african americans um not referring to myself i mean like african americans that were descendants of slaves mm-hmm. or enslaved people as early as their great grandparents yeah were slaves mm-hmm. you know So when you think of how far that gap is it's really not that big and when it comes to something like like segregation and and, and uh you know Jim Crow laws in America that you know kept white people and black people away from each other and and using different um social facilities uh you know that's something that people that I've grown up with their parents experienced you know these are things that um My mom remarried when she went to America. That's something that my stepdad experienced. Yeah. And that's something that he taught me about all the time. And uh one of the, the most recent things is uh there's this brand <laughs> in in America called Aunt Jemima's. <laughs> and uh it's a it's a maple syrup brand uh-huh. for pancakes, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And essentially, it's a great maple syrup. I grew up eating Aunt Jemima's all the time. Yeah. I didn't care, right? They're like straight up pancakes and syrup that's all they do with Aunt Jemima. All right. Now Aunt Jemima the brand for Aunt Jemima is a a big black woman. All right. Just, you know, with some sugary bandana yeah, wrapped yeah, around yeah, her yeah, head. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, just like, "Oh, we yeah, I know you want some of these pancakes." Mm-hmm. You know, talking all black yeah. and and trying yeah. to act as, you know, what they call a mammy figure. in in America mm-hmm. and they've actually come out that they are stepping away from the brand they're not going to be using um a black woman as the face of their branding because it's a white owned company yeah and wow. and really what it comes from is these like i was saying those minstrel shows where mm-hmm. they had people dressing up as black people to try and make them look you know trying to make fun of them yeah and and people really connected with that and this Aunt Jemima's brand because uh, that's essentially yeah, yeah. what they were doing they're yeah. using black people to try and sell pancakes you know it, it's always small small things yeah, like yeah. very small small things that you know it's like the 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 straw that broke the camel's back right mm-hmm. those tiny things adding up on top of each other that really bring everything crumbling down mm-hmm. and i can tell you like one of the biggest of the small things yeah is if you go and this is very true and i've experienced it if mm-hmm. you go to a, a a super grocery store let's say like a walmart yeah. right or a target mm-hmm. there is always going to be the ethnic hair section right multicultural hair section because you know that our hair is different than yeah, their yeah 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 so you, Um, when my mom first came to America, she told me that they wouldn't have a section. They would just put the black like 
Hispanic colored mm-hmm. hair care yeah. on the bottom shelves, mm-hmm. right? They'll just put them on the bottom. Yeah. That's bad enough. But now, <laughs> but now, yeah. they've made an entire section, which is like, okay, I mean, like a piece of an aisle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll put like a little piece of an aisle with a little flag saying, okay, here's the multicultural hair section. To some of these locations, mm-hmm. they lock up the hair care. It's Whoa. like, it's like, imagine when you go to a store and you know, sometimes there are items yeah. that are very expensive. Yes. So they keep them in a locked box yeah, like jewelry so that you have something. to come and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to come and ask someone to open it and yeah. get it out for you. Yeah, yeah. That's what they did to black hair care in so many places. And now these companies are coming out and saying, you know, oh, you know, we, we apologize. We, we realize that that might be a bit discriminatory. Yeah. So we're going to stop doing that. But at the same time, like, why did you start in the first place, exactly. you know? Yeah. And in my case, I, I, I didn't even experience it being locked up. I just remember I was with my homies one day. We were in Walmart. And I'm going through the aisles, and I just noticed something. That in the multicultural hair aisle, because this time it was an aisle. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. I was really happy about it. Uh-huh. There's a camera pointed directly at the multicultural hair products. No other aisle had a camera point, like, in the aisle. Yeah, except yeah, for that one. yeah. Whoa. And it's just like, what? So again, it's these, it's these little, little things, things that, yeah. that, you know, make you understand that you're different. Wow. And what you do isn't like what these other people do. They're yeah. allowed to do these things uh-huh. under the guise of, you know, no one. Go do what you want to do. But us, it's like constant monitoring, which is, you know, yeah. interesting to say the least. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow. And, and like you say, like your mom was very, you know, instrumental in just making sure that you that you're neutral. Do, do, would you remember a time when she, you know, like maybe used to like coach you on how to behave as you know, as a black kid? Like now to just keep safe, like protocols you should observe when you're when you're when you're walking around or when you're doing stuff just to make sure you don't get in trouble. Do, do you remember such instances or the little things like you're saying? Well, it's funny that you bring that up. Naturally, like most moms, uh, my mom just taught me how to have manners, you know, just how to behave. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's not a, a white versus black thing. That's just a mother teaching their child type of thing, you know, yeah. just common decency. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like there are certain things that growing up black you do learn um, that go beyond the scope of just regular manners. Yeah. For example, um, my mom would make it very clear to me that, uh, you know, I, I can never have my hat on backwards. All right. <laughs> like, yeah, like she was not with that. She, she taught me from a young age. It wasn't like a punishment type of thing. Mm-hmm. It was more like she would tell me, Ronnie, you know, if you put your hat backwards, you won't grow tall like your cousin. Uh, and, you know, of course, that's the type of thing that yeah. usually I'm just like, hey, bruh, this hat staying straight on, yeah. no problem, right? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, other things like, uh, I remember, you know, there's a lot of, like, um, I don't know if you like, you know, you know of, a, like, Chuck E. Cheese? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, there'll be places like that where you go and you, kids go, they, they play games, you get tokens, right? Yeah. And you get tickets and mm-hmm. you can go spend them on prizes. Yeah. Um, so I will go to something like that and I would buy, like, a pair of fake handcuffs, right? Yeah. Just because... I don't know, like their hand, like I used to want to be a cop when I was a kid, just because yeah. I wanted to be mm-hmm. a, a, one of the good guys, yeah. quote unquote. <laughs> and I remember, like I, I came home with the handcuffs one day, and she had like a panic attack, um, you know, because she's like, "Why is my son having handcuffs? Where did yeah. he get them from?" I had to convince, I had to tell her they're fake. I got them when I'd gone to that place with my friend and the friend's mom, and you know, stuff like that, or even um, when when uh. Trayvon Martin was killed. Um, first time my mom really had that talk with me about like, hey, Ronnie, there are certain things you can't do because of your skin color. Yeah. And, you know, going back to what I was saying about coming back from Kenya, um, that was when I was discovering my blackness. And that was the same time Trayvon Martin was killed. And that's the same time I realized, like, there are things I can't do because of my blackness. Yeah. So wearing dark hoodies, walking around at night, um, there are certain things that my white peers might do. It is described as, you know, childhood mischievousness, like yeah. just being a bit yeah. like, you know, a bit naughty. Yeah. Um, but when a black when a black kid does it, it's a death sentence. So it's a very common thing to try and 
take away those things before they become issues. Mm. The police were called on a young man in a park named mm-hmm. Tamir Rice, mm-hmm. who was two years my junior, mm-hmm. 12 years old, yeah. who was playing in the park with a BB gun. Whoa. Yeah, so she called the cops on, on, on this young man in the park saying that he has a gun. She thinks it's a BB gun, but she wants someone to go make sure. It's and when the cops get there, within 10 seconds, they shoot him and they kill him. Whoa. And he's 12. He was a 12-year-old boy playing with a BB gun. Yeah. I've never heard of a story of a white man or a white boy being killed by a cop because he was playing with BB guns. Wait, you know he, what was I'm 12. Saying? he was 12. He was 12 years old, Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old wow. young black boy killed by the cops because he was playing with a BB gun in the park. The wow. cops came up, saw that little boy who couldn't have been more than five foot, three inches tall. Mm-hmm. They saw him with a BB gun and they decided to treat him like a grown man and kill him. And that's a boy. If you scream at a boy, put down the gun, he is going to put it down. Yeah. They didn't say anything. They came up, they saw the thing in his hand, killed him instantly so those are the kind of things that uh, my mom tried to raise me and and those are things I, I really appreciate her for for doing because you know that could have been me that could have been so many other of my family members but growing up we were always told like hey that those things do not slide mm-hmm. when you get caught stealing in a store it's extra punishment because you know that you specifically cannot steal mm-hmm. if these other kids go stealing all right, maybe they'll get off with a slap on the wrist. You cannot go steal because you will be treated like an adult. Don't do anything wrong. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's scary. It's scary to think about it that way. You know? Interesting. Comparing yeah. myself to my white peers. Yeah. It's like you're literally surviving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trying, to, trying to figure out why I can't do the things that they do. Yeah, yeah. There have been many cases of um, racial, you know, discrimination and, um, you know, killings. And even demonstrations and you know protests, but I don't know why. Why? Why do you think, in your opinion, that this time will be different? Like, how how will this time, you know, in the events of George Floyd and even the protests, how will how will they impact you know the world and uh, yeah. specifically the U.S. this particular time? Why this time, and how will that be different from any other time? Well, you know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um. This isn't the first time we've seen a black person get killed by a cop on yeah. camera. Yeah. Um, we entered the digital age, and with the digital age, with smartphones, with these high-quality camera phones, we have created a world where everything can be recorded. Now, most of the videos I've seen, because growing up, growing up in America, being an adolescent teen in America, our lives are filled with hashtag after freaking hashtag mm-hmm. of justice for whoever, justice for whoever, justice for whoever, right? Yeah, because yeah. year after year, month after month, week after week, people are being killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, it, it's easy to become desensitized mm-hmm. to a lot of these killings because a lot of it is gun violence. Yeah. I'm not just talking about with the police. I'm talking about with anything. Mm. Mass murders. America has the most mass murders i think of any country per capita in the world right yeah yeah. people kill in america every day Mm -hmm. and we get so desensitized to this stuff that you know it just becomes a small protest and it's over even when the cops do it i've seen videos in my city Mm -hmm. raleigh north carolina of a cop shooting someone in the back while he's running away and nothing happened to that cop and it's on video whoa but most recently now in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. because of what's happening with George Floyd, yeah. a, guy, a, a man was in a drive-thru of a Wendy's. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know the story, yeah, right? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. He was shot in the back. That police officer has just been arrested. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be charged with murder because of that. Because he shot someone on in the back. Yeah. All right? That would not have happened before George Floyd. And I think the reason why we have become desensitized for this specific issue mm-hmm. is the duration of the video. Yeah. The physical, the physical anguish on George's face. Yeah. The 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 look of just the nonchalantness. Yeah. The um, the lack of empathy in that 
officer's face when he was doing that mm-hmm. and, and just the cries of agony all in one video kind of just made it so, you know, it's something to, to be galvanized around. It's yeah. something that people see mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, no, that like, again, like we were talking about, the yeah. straw that broke the camel's back, yeah. this is like the murder that broke the camel's back, mm-hmm. as sad as it is to say, mm-hmm. right? But I think that's what makes things different this time. Yeah. And and honestly, like, you know, I, I'm also going to, like, put a bit of it on, on COVID-19. Um, people in America, joblessness is at an all-time high. Yeah. All-time high. Yeah. People have nothing to do. Mm. So if you're going to go piss people off, and the fact that it's happened within such a short period of time in relation with uh, Ahmad Arbery yeah. in such a short period of time with Brianna Taylor as well, mm-hmm. who was killed by these cops that came and just shot her in her own house. Yeah. With, and where she was doing absolutely nothing wrong, and those yeah, cops and, um, still have not been arrested. Yeah. They still have not been arrested. When all that comes at the same time, mm-hmm. and then you add a whole video of someone being murdered in like slow motion, second by second, you see the life being taken out of his eyes. Yeah. That's what makes it different this time. And the, and you know. The fact that, you know, things have changed. A few years ago, Black Lives Matter was one of the most controversial statements you could make in America. Saying Black Lives Matter to a lot of people was like almost saying like, you know, you could compare it. Perfect comparison, right? Yeah. Allahu Akbar means praise God, right? Yeah. In America, when you hear someone say Allahu Akbar, people get scared. People clutch their purses. People... Uh... Because you, you attach it to, to terrorism because yeah. people are ignorant. Mm, yeah. mm. It's the same way when people heard Black Lives Matter in the past, mm-hmm. they would get scared. Yeah. They would think about looting. They think about rioting. They think about violence, yeah. right? Yeah. Because they attach it to angry black people, the mm. stereotype, like, oh, they're mad, so they're going to say Black Lives Matter. Yeah. But now you have major companies saying this stuff. Celebrities saying this stuff. I turned on FIFA the other day. I'm playing FIFA. <laughs> yeah. That thing about FIFA. I'm like, what? Yeah. Call of Duty. Video games. It's it's turned into a global movement. The Premier League just started up again. All of the players don't even have their names on their jerseys. They yeah. have Black, Black Lives Matter above their jersey numbers instead of their names. Yeah. That's how serious of an issue it is. We had global protests. We had protests in all 50 states, which has almost never been done before. Mm. Protests in, like, I think over 10 countries yeah, around, all the around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the difference with this and everything else is that this is a global movement now. Mm-hmm. It stopped being an individual. It stopped being an individual issue that was just, you know, attributed to one country. Yeah, it's having all these countries that suffer with this. And even in Kenya, we suffer with colorism a lot. You know that too, Yeah, man. yeah. It's not even about, you know, straight up racism. It's colorism mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's what makes a difference. People are really, you know, trying to make their voices heard. And and, and I would say that it's, it's influencing a bunch of other countries, like mm. England having their own Black Lives Matter protests. And yeah. of course now in Kenya, we don't have necessarily... Black Lives Matter protests, although there have been uh, movements within the country, yeah. but we're having our own open dialogues now about police brutality in this country as yes. well. So yeah. I think the impact is, you know, it's every, exponential. It's, yeah, it's felt everywhere, and and that's and I think actually that's what makes it different because this time. Mm-hmm. Everyone is feeling like, yo, nah, we, we cannot sit and just look at this happening. And like you said, the agony, the emotions, all of it in one, it's almost too much. Yeah, it's almost right. too much. And, you know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear this from you or to, to get your opinion on this. So apart from maybe protests, which, which are, by the way, very necessary uh, because, you know, to bring change. What do you think? How else do you think? Because like we say, this, this is something that is deeply rooted in people. You growing up, you saw uh-huh. that firsthand. Like this, is something that it's it's ingrained in people. So, how do you think, apart from protests, what other ways can can be put in place, or how else can this, you know, racial discrimination just be kind of mitigated or just obliterated completely? 
because we have kids generations which will come up with the same parents and still you know go through the same thing how do we ensure that you know even them they don't you know get to have the dust spread onto them well unfortunately as is the way of the world mm-hmm. we will never get rid of racism no matter what there are going to be people that believe what they want to believe mm-hmm. and they're going to spread that message yeah and thanks to internet culture it is easier now than ever to find like-minded individuals yeah. that you can now relate with and spread your message of hatred with and you know create domestic terror yeah but i think the way we start trying to eradicate it and reduce it at a, a very high level mm-hmm. is through legislation and that's why people are protesting you know um for example uh we want to talk about um they call what the police are doing now and what other people are doing not just the police yeah. um in the case of for example Ahmad Arbery mm-hmm. or Trayvon Martin back then uh killed by people who weren't police they call that modern day lynching oh and lynching is yeah. of course you know the the action of of now usually in this connotation we attribute it to black people mm-hmm. and we'll say lynching was the act of stringing up black people hanging them by their necks yeah. um with a mob like a crowd of people mm-hmm. mostly white uh you know just watching and, and cheering on right mm-hmm. lynching was not made a hate crime yeah. in america until last year okay Whoa. i think last year or early right. this year i don't remember yeah. the time has stopped ever since covid started uh-huh. <laughs> but uh that that has not made been made illegal or not illegal but a a hate crime yeah like defined as a hate crime mm-hmm. until recently right the ku klux klan the kkk is not recognized as a terrorist group in that country mm-hmm. you can join the kkk right now if you want to in the research when i was in high school and i learned that you can join the KKK for $10. <laughs> Ten like that's yeah. all, bro. And I really wanted to join it right. just to see if I could, right? Like I wanted to see like is there any qualification? Like yeah. do I have to send a picture no. just to like prove that I'm you know, like what? Yeah. You can join, they'll send you their your registration card, you can buy their merchandise, you can buy your own patented little hood. It's so sad. and you know it starts with legislation and 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 fortunately um a lot of a lot of these places are are trying to implement new things mm-hmm. there are young people trying to phase this stuff out i feel like the the older um the world is mm-hmm. the more empathy humans have for other people yeah and the more common sense we we gain with access to the internet and access yeah. to knowledge because yeah. knowledge is power of course um and of course you know that uh although there are smart racists the majority of racists are dumb mhm so i feel like as we enter the the age of knowledge mm-hmm. uh you know these things are starting to fade out right people are uh, teaching their parents right versus wrong people are teaching um you know their peers right versus wrong they're calling each other out and that's yeah. very important yeah uh There are a lot of calls for defunding the police mm-hmm. uh and abolishing the police. Yeah. Um I I I don't really have a stance on abolishing the police. Right. I feel as though it's not really possible to abolish the police. Yeah, I mean, but to defund the police is a good yeah, idea. Yeah, I think I think for the police is just about cuz you know for me I, I I deeply believe that um it's it's something that is deeply rooted in them. like it, it must be somewhere yeah. even in their training maybe they're told if you see a black guy just be cautious these are the first things that come into mind when you see a black guy this is how you deal with them like it's something like it should be something that they look at even in their training man like how are these yeah. people what what are the like they were saying for example like in terms of police brutality these guys when they go to be taught about you know just go to the school of police wherever that is i'm forgetting the name they actually use the curriculum that was used in Moe's time And you know Moe's time Moe used to you know the late Moe used to use police to just you know 
plunder people. To, to, yeah, just yeah, yeah. do so, whatever he exa- wants. Exactly. Yeah. So there's no at the, the police can become uh, uh, Amona Inch's friend. So these guys are using curriculum that is so outdated that when they see a normal civilian, this is how they start thinking. You know, I have to beat this guy. I have to put this guy in line. So for me, I think it's definitely something that is, that's ingrained because we need the police. We definitely need them. And not all of them are bad, but yeah, the things that maybe are being ingrained in them, that could be the problem. Exactly. And, mm. and as far as it goes for America, yeah. uh, I don't I don't know if you know this, but the police actually started as a slave capturing unit. Whoa. So exactly. You the see? police. Yeah. yeah, you see, it yeah. starts with crazy. It starts with evil. Exactly. It started as, as a unit to, if slaves ran away, yeah. they would be the people that they hired to go catch the slaves. Yeah. Right? Mm. Because back in the day, you know what I'm saying, the Wild West, the Down South, they didn't really need police. If someone steals from you, you go kill that guy, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And that is whatever, right? Yeah, it was the wild, wild but west. As, yeah, yeah. It, as society advances, yeah. um, you know, they start to realize, okay, we need people to govern our police. Mm. And when slavery was abolished, although the police and the slave catchers were different, mm-hmm. a lot of those slave catchers that were out of a job when slavery was abolished said, hmm, what else do I do now? Okay, I'll go catch bad guys instead. Yeah. And I think somewhere in their brains, right, yeah. and just in their the, the society of the time, mm-hmm. um, slave equals black, yeah. and black and bad guy are synonymous, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I, I would say that uh, you know it, it, it's it starts everything has an evil beginning. Even America itself, come on, one of the like evilest takeovers of any country of all time, uh, which is really how most countries start. But uh, it's it's very interesting to me to think about how we started that, like, policing that way and the propaganda that is filled into the minds of people and children, yeah. like, just growing up. Because like I said, when I grew up, I, when I was growing up as a kid, I wanted to be a cop for some time. Mm. Because you see them on TV, you watch cops, you watch shows, you watch movies with good cops, you know, everyone has yeah. guns, everyone's doing cool stuff, doing flips, back flips, you drive a car, you drive it off a bridge, punch <laughs> a bad guy in the face, justice. Yeah. Nah, man, it's not that, that simple. And, and the thing is, they paint it like it's a black and white issue. Exactly. They paint exactly. it as though, yeah. you know, there's good guys and there's bad guys mm-hmm. and there's no in between. Yeah. Right? There's no one going in between the fences. Yeah. I'd say... The reason why they say defund the police and why I agree with that statement is because a lot of the reason that policing exists is because of the lack of resources and and and, and the lack of, uh, you know, social uh, services that are needed in these over-policed communities. Yeah. Because even in Kenya, for example, right, you can talk about how the poorest communities are the ones with the most police in them. Yeah. And we don't see a connection there. Mm-hmm. It's because people commit crimes out of necessity. Mm. Everyone had money, no one would steal. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's just that's just common sense. Now, of course, not meaning like normal people. Some people are just truly evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, some people just do it for fun. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I've met many kids. Guilty pleasure. I'd be in the store with, they just go shoplifting. I'm like, why'd you steal that? You already have one. Yeah. Like, ah, it just felt nice. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, now those people, ah, now what can you do? Yeah. But a lot of these things, we, 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 we charge people and we arrest people for being poor. Mm. Right? For example, like, you know, homelessness, such a major issue in this country and in America as well. Yeah. But then you police where homeless people can be. Hey, don't sleep here or I'm going to take you to jail. Yeah. Hey, don't sleep on this person's property. Don't do this here. You can't be here, right? If we took funding from police and put it, especially in America, mm-hmm. if we took funding from police and put it in programs for education, mm-hmm. for, for, you know, um, social work inside of these communities that yeah. are really struggling mm-hmm. with uh, a lot of different issues, mm-hmm. then you would see a reduction in crime. Most white people don't commit less crime. Yeah, It's just that white people are in a higher position, of, or in a better position, I mean, 
to, you know, not commit crimes because they have wealth from ages ago, whereas black people were not given that 200, 300, 400 year head start. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, mm. yeah. 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 Uh, someone described it. I remember watching a video of someone describing it as monopoly, but in this case, where you take you take everything, like black versus white playing, you know, monopoly, but you take everything from the blacks, and you expl- and you ex- uh-huh. still expect them to play a fair game, and then you do that for like a hundred, a hundred, three hundred years, and then after three uh-huh. three hundred years, you, you ask them to catch up. Yet yeah, you accrue exactly. all the wealth, and you're not even sharing it. So how do you expect them to? They did the work for you. They played the monopoly for you. So it's very, it's. I like that you put it that way. It's true. That is so true. I mean, yeah, man, and 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 it's really sad to think that some people just can't understand that because, to to me, um, and it's something I also struggled with understanding as I was growing up, right? Because yeah. I would always think of um, the fact that in America we have something called affirmative action, mm-hmm. right? Where, uh, um. A lot of companies, schools, corporations—they have—they have a quota yeah. of how many people of color or different ethnicities they have within their. For for businesses, it's usually within just like as their employees, yeah. and sometimes it goes as far as like you know their corporate yeah. world. Like you know, do you have a black um, person on your board? Do you have an Asian person on your board? Mm. And for now, with schools, it's the same thing. It's like, do you have how many black kids do you have in your school? How many Asian kids you have? How many Hispanic kids you have in your school, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, I remember growing up, I was thinking like, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be put, you know, in a school just because I'm black or just because, you know, I, I, I like, I want to earn it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reason why affirmative action exists is because people can, like, people have earned it and not received what they've earned. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. People can be as or more intelligent, as or more qualified, as or more talented mm-hmm. as their white counterparts and be left out when it comes to reaping the benefits of their hard work. Yeah. And so they've used that to say like, hey, you have to include people of different backgrounds mm-hmm. because otherwise they won't be included no matter how talented they are. Yeah. And I'm one of the stupidest people on the planet and if I understand that, yeah. then I, it's just really hard for me to, to to figure out why other people don't get it. You know what I'm saying? Wow. I mean, that 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 is. I mean, it makes so much sense, and I completely agree with you. Um, you know, obviously, we could talk about a lot. I mean, this is definitely a deep, deep, deep topic. But maybe just before we close, you know, how 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 would you, you know, advise people here in our country, Kenya? To how can guys get involved in you know how would you advise especially us young people who are very ignorant and just you know that's not our thing uh, we are um, almost not human because we are cyber zombies someone described us as a cyber zombies how, how would you encourage guys here to just even even though it's not protest physically and go there but how how can they just keep themselves in the train and just make sure that they do their part in making sure. How would you? How would you encourage guys to do that? Well, like like I'm like I said earlier, man. I don't think it it, it falls on on Kenyans. It doesn't fall right. on us as people to mm-hmm. try and and make that change in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people over there have the tools. They have the education. They have the the you know for people that do want to get involved and mm-hmm. do want to help. Um, you know, the most you can do really is educate yourself. And as painful as it is, you know, keep up to date with the things going on in that country. Keep yeah. up to date with the things going on in this country. Yeah. So that if you ever get to yourself in a position of... Uh, and the reason why I'm saying it's not on us mm-hmm. is because, like, for example, you and me. Are we going to change the world right now? No. Right? No. Like, honestly. <laughs> yeah, honestly yeah. speaking. Is there we can do that people Donald Trump will say you know what that that young man in Kenya is right yeah. <laughs> we should, you know what I'm saying yeah. no that's not gonna happen All right. but you know educating yourself and, and understanding these things so that you can spread the message along mm-hmm. does wonders and that's why I'm saying you don't have to actively be doing something to help you don't have to actively be donating because it's a lot of money and especially the way the world is right now yeah you know it's hard to come by you don't have to actively be you know uh 
protesting online or fighting online, but what you can do is practice mindfulness and understand that, you know, there's an oppressive system going on in the world as well as, well as there is an oppressive system in this country as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the more you keep aware about it, the more you educate yourself and other people about it, you know, the more likely these things can change in the future because the main thing that changes how countries are run, how governments are run, and how society has changed is public opinion. Yeah. And that's always how it's been. When the public says something is wrong and everyone can agree that it's wrong, yeah. then it will be changed, right? No matter how yeah. corrupt, no matter how messed up a system is, if everyone knows and we speak out about it, then it will change. Rioting in Kenya, protesting in Kenya, is not going to do anything for things in America. Yeah. But for things that we want to change here, that can definitely help as well. Protesting here can help as well. And... Um, I mean, that's all I can really say. Make sure you go sign petitions online. Change.org has plenty of petitions. Keep up to date. If you can donate, there are different um, bail funds for a lot of protesters that are getting arrested. Um, there are different organizations you can donate to, the NAACP, so many other places have money to spend. You can put that money to use. Mm -hmm. You can find many of these things online. Yeah. But uh, like I said, if you can't, you don't have to. Your mouth and your words do so much more than, you know, money ever could. So, you know, that's, I, the, that's the main message. That's amazing. I completely agree. I mean, someone said the best you can do is do your part. You know, you, exactly. don't, you don't have to, you know, feel the pressure of, you know, and like you said, self-educate. That, that is powerful. That transcends everything. I remember Mother Teresa once said, if everyone just cleaned their doorstep, then the whole world will be clean. Like, all you need to do is just... Exactly. Yeah, it's just do your part. You know, just be mindful. You know, just be peaceful with them. Just know that this thing yes. doesn't have to spill its negativity to you. Of course, be aware of what's happening. You know, try to spread the message. Try it in a positive light. But you don't have to have the pressure of, you know, I, I have to, I have to, you know, protest or anything. Which is amazing. Yeah, and it's, it's the same thing with... with uh, that, that, the reason why I'm saying that is because of, um, you know... Everything is, the world is on fire right now. Yeah, the, world, yeah. the state of the world has never been this bad in I don't know how long. Right? Yeah, yeah. So everyone is already under a lot of mental uh, stress. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the worst thing that you can do is try to overstress yourself with thinking about, you know, how you're not contributing to an issue that is uh, like halfway across the world, you know, yeah. no matter how bad it is. Yeah. So, you know, don't stress yourself out. Don't have a breakdown just because you can't help. You can help by speaking about it and being open about it. And uh, same thing it's with COVID. Right? Just because yeah. you're at home with COVID and you're not doing anything, yeah. don't let people come and tell you that you're a bum. Since you, you have nothing going on. No. Maybe like, you know, you, you need to work harder. Yeah. Relax, man. Everyone is just doing their best and that's all we can ask for. Amazing, 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 bro. So, um, like I said, we have a, there's a law we could talk about this, and I love how your perspective, perspective is always the most important thing. But before we leave, Thanks, um, yeah, I have, I always have a quick five, which I didn't tell you about because that's how it is. It's a quick five, so you can only answer oh, with, uh, you know, you're okay. you're a man of many words, so you keep it short and sweet, one word or one sentence. Yeah. All right, not not very hard. They're really, you know. Things I'm that scared. Maybe, I'm, I'm no, terrified right bro, now. Bro, no. Okay. Everyone gets terrified and then at, by the end of the day, they're like, wait, that that's it. So it makes me feel bad because it's like I set the bar so high and then, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, okay, okay, no, okay. Hey, hey, excuse us, excuse us. Don't disappoint me. All right. <laughs> but uh, listen, all right, let's go. <laughs> Fine. Uh, so the first one, what is the one thing that you are most grateful for despite everything that's going on in the world? Family. Family. Amazing, amazing. Um... If you could create one law that everyone must follow, what would it be? Uh, don't be an a-hole. Like, right. I feel like that's the only... <laughs> yeah. All right. That yeah. covers pretty much everything. Most don't that, be yeah, an a-hole. Yeah. I mean, that, that covers a lot. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you most miss uh, pre-Rona? Pre Before BC, yeah, BC. <laughs> BC. Yeah. Um, freedom. Freedom. Freedom yeah. to go around and just do what I want. Yeah, I feel you on that one. Um, also, breathing. Breathing is also very, very heavily missed. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> His mask, Manze. I know, I know. 
Um, so apart from yourself, who is your favorite character on Trap House? <laughs> you a snake, bro. You a snake. All right. All right. Yeah. All apart right. from yourself, who's your who's your favorite character uh, on Trap House? character besides myself yeah uh, that's a really tough question i would either say don all right or neb ah or neb. yeah nebuka all right um yeah nebukadnezza i like that. That, that, that that's a good choice i mean i'd go for nebukadnezza but also don is good yeah. <laughs> obviously flex is the worst because yeah, i'm kidding <laughs> hey, hey you a hater bro you, you're a straight up hater Anyway, um Trapper's coming back soon though. Coming yeah, soon. yeah, man. Uh, uh, what is the best advice that you would um give anyone right now? Like off the top or what's the best advice that you've ever received or you can give? Either way is good. Uh it's corny. All right. But um the best advice I could ever give someone is um believe in yourself. All right. Um but of course, to some extent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like uh, it's, it's corny, but you know, if you don't believe in yourself, who else is going to believe in you? You yeah. know what I'm saying? The worst thing that you can have is someone who believes in you more than you do, because all you're going to do is disappoint them. Yeah. So, um, you know, just believe in yourself within reason. Mm-hmm. Within reason. For example, I can tell if I didn't believe in myself, I wouldn't be in Kenya. I wouldn't be trying to act. Yeah. I would. I would not have. You know left my quote-unquote home and then traveled somewhere where I was trying to, you know, mm-hmm. reconnect and be with my people. But, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I can believe in myself to that extent, but I'm not going to say, also, I'm going to be able to 360 windmill slam dunk a basketball by yeah. next month. <laughs> believe in yourself within reason. Okay? Exactly. Like, you have to understand if someone yeah. tells you maybe you're not the best, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Work on yourself. Mm. But don't, you know, you know, yeah, 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 man. that's all you can say. Reasonable, reasonable. Aye, man. Amazing. So, um. Yeah. Those weren't bad. Those weren't bad. Yeah, exactly. You were a snake, you were yeah. snake for the trap house question, <laughs> but uh, not bad. Yeah, yeah. By the way, um, is there anything you'd want to talk about uh, in terms of trap house? You know, what, what people should expect or when, you know, it's going to be dropping? Um, you know, uh, the only thing I can really say is, uh, we're planning to restart shooting All right. as soon as uh, you know some of the restrictions and guidelines have been lifted. All right. um, but for right now, you know, you can catch all of the episodes that we have so far with, of this past season and yeah. our newest season. Yeah. Um, online on YouTube. Yeah. You know, Trap House and TV. Just yeah. look it up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, it's been like like honestly the most amazing thing that, that has ever happened to me. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, we watched it's like crazy. Here. Yeah, it's it's been it's been amazing. Yeah, man, just just to come here within the year, I'm already on 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 the show. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really a blessing. Uh, and I have a story about how I got that role, but I'm gonna save it for another day. I think you know the story. I feel like I told you. Um, you. But, did, uh, I'm interested to hear that. We should do like a part two or something. No, we'll definitely, we'll definitely. Yeah, I'll like we just talk now about you, something, you know, just dive deep into careers and all that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah man, because yeah. the way that this show came to me was very, very uh, interesting, to all say right. the least. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm interested to, see, to hear about that. Anyway, um, thank you, bro. We, sure, bro. This, this has been amazing. I've learned a lot um, and definitely had some of the things that I, that I, that I knew they have been affirmed and um, i'm hoping you wherever you are listening you have um, gotten a new perspective and know that at the end of the day just know that self-education is really important and just knowing you know this just be aware of what is going on because you never know future you might be there you might need to know some of these things and just know how to help someone even with a kind message and a lovely message and yeah, I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode. If you did, kindly um, just take a screenshot like you always do. And um, uh, you can put it on your story, tag me and um, Ronnie when this drops. And um, yeah, we'll yes, be sir, yes, sir. sure to get you. Ronnie, where can they find you? I'm sure they're going to stop you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You can find me online uh, uh, at Ron Karaoke on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe it's Ronnie Karaoke on Twitter as well. And uh-huh. I also have a YouTube channel. Listen, I've been slacking. I've been yeah, you've been slacking. <laughs> some months. 
I have not made a YouTube video in months, but I'm, I'm going to get back on it. Uh, well, you should. Pretty soon. I've been yeah. making content, but I've just been planning a release. All right. Uh, you can find me on and my old YouTube videos on YouTube at Ron Blah, R-O-N-B-L-A-W. All right. Uh, yeah, funny stuff, funny stuff. And uh, I just wanted to say, man, before I go, uh, you know, I don't speak for all African-Americans. I don't speak for all Americans in general. Mm -hmm. This is just my personal views. This is how I think. I'm also not the most intelligent person or the most educated. Yeah. I say that you should educate yourself, but I promise you I am not even close to fully educated on this topic, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I know that. <laughs> That's why I always keep my ears open, ready to listen. Yeah. I'm just giving you my perspective and how I view these things. And, uh, yeah, man, dumb as a brick, but my mouth is big, so I'm going to do what I do. Thank you so much for having me, though, Kev, man. I, I have a great Thank you. Here, thank you for You're really for an coming inspiration, bro. Like, thank you. Just be grinding. All the time. I try. You scare man. me sometimes. But I don't understand how you be waking up at like 4:45 every morning. But, I try, uh, bro. <laughs> at the end of the day, man, you really are like one of the coolest dudes I know. Hilarious Thank guy. You. Thank and you. it's not fair that you're that funny and also that like driven. Oh. Uh, uh, so you know what I'm saying. Watch your back because I don't, I don't like competition, and that's all. <laughs> all oh, Ronnie, Thank you. Thank you, man. Uh, we're gonna be doing this again very soon. Right. Of course. Bye, guys.